for the week of November 6th, 2023. This is Diet Science with Dee McCaffrey. Dee's an organic chemist and a doctor in clinical nutrition who lost 100 pounds by staying away from processed foods. Now, every week on Diet Science, Dee covers a topic or two that's important for you and your family's health. This is your co-host, Michael McCaffrey. So, Dee, what's the topic for this week? This week we're talking about vitamin K. Ah, okay. And how it's been studied and shown to protect health as you age. It's really even been shown in some studies to help with cancer prevention. Mm. So, you know, we always think of vitamin K as being something that is needed for proper blood clotting. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it's also known, for, you know, for bone health. So this new information about cancer... Uh, prevention is really actually quite exciting. But um, I think it's important for people to first understand a little bit about vitamin K. I always think that it's a sort of an an underrated vitamin, like nobody really talks about it that much. And mm-hmm. um, maybe you don't even hear of people having deficiencies in vitamin K, but it is possible to become deficient in vitamin K because vitamin K is a fat-soluble vitamin, mm-hmm. which means that you have to have fat in your diet to absorb it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's better absorbed with the healthy types of fats like avocado or olive oil or coconut oil, you know, some of the good ones, not necessarily the you know, highly refined oils, mm-hmm. um, and of course, fried foods. So, um, so vitamin K is really important. And um, there's actually uh, a couple of different forms of vitamin K. Mm-hmm. So um, we find it in various types of foods. So the most, uh, well, the three forms are vitamin K1, mm-hmm. which is the type that we typically find in raw vegetables mm-hmm. um, and raw foods. So, for example, uh, like spinach or broccoli, mm-hmm. um, any kind of dark leafy green vegetable is going to have vitamin K1. Mm-hmm. And then what happens in your gut is the vitamin K1 comes into contact with all of these little healthy probiotic bacteria, and they convert it into something called vitamin K2. Hmm. And that's actually what becomes the active vitamin. So when that absorbs into your bloodstream, it's vitamin K2. Hmm. And then vitamin K2 um, does, basically what it does in the body is it produces something called clotting factors mm-hmm. and the and basically they our body produces those so that if we get a cut we don't bleed to death mm-hmm. right it's just about you know when you get a cut you know that it's, it's, as long as the cut isn't like a really deep you know serious wound mm-hmm. it you know if you get a little cut or a mosquito bite or something you're going to bleed mm-hmm. but then the bleeding stops eventually because of the clotting factors mm-hmm. and those are produced by vitamin k mm-hmm. so um, we also know that vitamin k is involved in bone health mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that it does in the bone is it anchors calcium into the bone mm. so if you don't have enough vitamin k you could have 
plenty of calcium, but there wouldn't be anything to hold the calcium into the bone. Mm. So you could still develop osteoporosis if you don't have enough vitamin K. Mm. So there's you know a couple of really important roles for this. So uh, now in, in addition to blood coagulation and uh, bone density, there has been some research showing that vitamin K can help prevent and treat conditions such as coronary heart disease mm. and also cancer. Mm. So there was a cancer that, I'm sorry, there was a study in the journal called Oncology Letters that found that vitamin K2 um, may inhibit the growth of cancer cells and decrease the risk of developing prostate and lung cancer. Mm. So, you know, vitamin K is really important. Um, the, the amount of vitamin K that we call the dietary reference index or the R, RDA amount of vitamin K mm -hmm. is, um, for men, it's 120 micrograms a day. And for women, it's 90 micrograms per day. Um, and interestingly enough, only vitamin K1 is the form that you can get in a supplement. Mm. Because um, remember, I said when you take when you eat vitamin K one from your food, it converts into vitamin K two in, in your, your gut. In your gut. So to avoid having a you know getting high too high levels of that form of vitamin K, because that's a you know it we do have the possibility of having a toxicity effect from too much vitamin K. You mean so, K one? Uh, no, K two. Oh. Yeah, because that's the active form. So that's the form that will store in your body. Typically, it can store in your liver. So that's, you know, and if you have too much of it, just like any other fat-soluble vitamin, if you have too much of it, it can cause toxicity symptoms as well. So, mm. yeah, it's it's kind of one of those, you know, double-edged swords with the fat-soluble vitamins is that we need them. Um, we don't need to eat them every single day, though, and that's kind of one of the, the nice things about that is that because our body can store some, we can draw off of our stored fat-soluble vitamins if we don't have them on any particular day. So even if you had it several times a week, you would, you know, you would have enough. So mm. um, now the thing is, you know, if you think about this, where do we, where, what is the best sources of our vitamin K, and it's in our dark green leafy plant vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, it's also in something like avocados, too. Any Avocados are a great source of vitamin K. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, if you do, are people eating a proper amount of the dark green leafy vegetables every day? Mm -hmm. um, and they're probably not. I mean, we, we have plenty of different observational studies where we've seen that people tend to not eat the recommended amount of dark green leafy vegetables. Mm -hmm. So I would say that people are deficient in vitamin K or they run a risk of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be, you know, so that's one of the things that I always look at is very important. Um, one other form of vitamin K and that you would get the vitamin K2, which is the active form, is when you ferment a food that has vitamin K1 in it, into something, you know, like a fermentable food, for example, sauerkraut. Mm -hmm. So cabbage is a dark green leafy vegetable, which is a good source of vitamin K1. Mm -hmm. And just like uh, our gut bacteria can convert K1 into K2, when you ferment cabbage to make it into sauerkraut, 
it forms vitamin K2. Hmm. So you're, you can get the active form just from eating sauerkraut as well. So that means if, you're, if, if, you, if your patient, is their gut is just a mess, can't even make K2, you can maybe have them have sauerkraut and that kind of thing to help exactly. them get... Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's, you bring up a good point there, and that is, is that if people have an imbalance in their gut, if they don't have enough of the right good gut bacteria, they may not even be converting the K1 into K2. Mm-hmm. So that could be another reason for deficiency. So sometimes it isn't just, well, I eat plenty of foods that have vitamin K1 in it. The question would be, yes, but are you converting it into K2 and are you absorbing enough of it? Mm -hmm. So that's why some supplements have become important. Um, And even in studies, they sometimes give uh, people like an injection of vitamin K2 Mm. um, to increase their levels. So um, we have to be careful, like I said, because we don't want, um, you know, to get too much of it. But uh, (laughs) there was an osteoporosis study uh, in women that found that taking a daily dose of 180 micrograms of vitamin K2 mm-hmm. help to reduce bone loss in mm. healthy postmenopausal women. Mm. So, so you could take about up to that amount in a supplement form. Mm. Um, uh, but you'd have to, you know, most supplements only have K1. So you'd have to get a special, maybe even like a special formula or a prescription vitamin K2. Um, some people actually take prescription vitamin K as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, I remember a conversation long ago with an older gentleman that he said that his doctor said, do not eat anything with vitamin K because he was, uh, he of course had to have, um, blood thinners in his, uh, prescription diet, I guess, and vitamin K would, would, um, interfere with that. So what, what would you say to something like that? Right. So, um, that advice is often given to patients when they're taking, uh, what we call blood thinners or anticoagulant medications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are usually given to people who have, um, you know, a risk of developing a blood clot that could cause either a heart attack or stroke. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so yes, the, so caution needs to be advised, but it's, uh, uh, I think the recommendations have changed a little bit over the years. So first of all, the, the reason why the vitamin K is, is not advised to consume when you're taking a blood thinning me- medication is because they basically work against each other, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you have a medication that slows the production of clotting factors, mm-hmm. right? And then you have a, a vitamin which produces the clotting factors. Mm-hmm. So when you take a medication, you actually have to have the right balance of vitamin K to the blood thinning medication to make sure that they're not canceling each other out. And if you had too high amount of vitamin K, it could create, uh, it basically inhibit the ability of the medication to be effective, mm-hmm. right? And then you could bleed, to, you, know, you could overly bleed. In some cases, if it's really severe, someone could bleed to death. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful. However, the new advice now when people are taking blood thinning medications is to be consistent with your intake of vitamin K rich foods. Hmm. They, they actually say, we don't want to 
tell people to limit or avoid eating foods that contain vitamin K because those foods have many other important nutrients in them that going to help that person be healthier overall. Mm -hmm. So if you remove all of those foods out of their diet, it's really putting them at a disadvantage nutritionally, because mm -hmm. then they're missing out on a lot of other things as well. So instead of limiting or avoid, you just have to be consistent. So, and they say it's kind of up to the person how much vitamin K rich foods they want to eat a day, but they have to eat that same amount every mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. to match their level of do their dosage of their medication. They can't just, you know, say, oh, yeah, I'm going to have, you know, two cups of salad today and tomorrow and the next day. And then that's going to be fine because it's matched to your medication dosage. But then, you know, a few days later, you say, oh, I don't want to eat any of those vegetables today. And then that's just going to throw off the balance. And mm -hmm. that's where it gets dangerous. So so the, the advice is to be consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously, you have to go to your doctor and make sure you're getting the right dose to match your intake of vitamin K, whether you take a supplement of it or whether you're taking whether you're eating foods that have vitamin K. Well, I'm glad there's some better uh, answer from a doctor about this because you're basically saying stay away from salads, you know, which right. is yeah, just and a that, terrible. That doesn't sound very, that's not very good sound nutritional advice, is it? No. no <laughs> right, yeah. No. And that's where why these new, you know, recommendations have come in because, we, you know, in the old days, that is what uh, the doctors would tell people. Um, and the re I can see the reason why they would tell them. It wasn't that they didn't know that the uh, vitamin K could be matched to the dosage of the medication. It was just that they didn't trust that their patients would stay consistent. Mm -hmm. And so rather than educating them on how to do that, they would just tell them not to eat those foods. All right. So I'm glad this message is out there in case there were some older doctors to say, no, Dee McCaffrey said, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm not the only one saying it, but I'm, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, yeah, there's, there's certainly better information out there on that. In fact, you know, I teach a, a nutrition course to nurses and in the textbook, that's what it says. It says, mm. be consistent rather than limiting or avoiding vitamin K-rich foods. All right. So it's this established guideline. Very good. Anything mm. more before we go, Dee? Uh, oh, I just wanted to, you know, let people know that, you know, vitamin K is a very important vitamin. It's underrated, like I said. Um, but, you know, make sure you get enough, you know, eat those dark leafy greens, have some fermented foods, and you'll have your, you know, probably reach your uh recommended daily intake for vitamin K if you keep up your dark green leafy intake. All right, Dee, thank you for another informative week. Diet Science is the official podcast for Processed Free America. We're a nonprofit dedicated to eliminating childhood and adult obesity through nutrition education to both young and old. You can catch this podcast and lots of other great podcasts and articles at ProcessedFreeAmerica.org. This is Dee McCaffrey, and until next time, go forth and be healthy.